episode 12 of the Rainbow Pridecast. I'm your host, Danielle Dupuy, and I use the pronouns she, her, hers. Today we're joined by Zach Smedley, a young adult author of Deposing Nathan. Um, it's great to have you here, Zach. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, so, you know, you have quite an interesting background. Um, you're an engineer, is that correct? Uh, yeah, a chemical engineer. A chemical engineer. And how does one get started in the field of chemical engineering? <laughs> uh, for me, it started in 10th grade chemistry. Um, basically, I didn't hate 10th grade chemistry, which kind of set me apart from a lot of my classmates. Um, and so then I decided to take AP chemistry, and I had a fantastic teacher for that. Um, and she's actually mentioned in the acknowledgement section of my book. Um, yeah. And she encouraged me to do chemical engineering instead of just chemistry because it's easier to switch down versus switching up. Um, so if I didn't like the chemi, I could always switch down to just chemistry. Um, and I mean, I took it, I fell in love with it. Uh, my brain is sort of wired for that. I um, built my own computer, I build furniture. So I, I like you know building things and designing things. So it was a good fit for me. And so a chemical engineer designs chemicals, engineers chemicals? <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it's kind of nebulous, isn't it? Um, It's not as exciting as it sounds. Um, chemical engineering is really just, you get the degree and then people look at you and say, okay, here's the skills you have. Here are the fields you could work in. So like if I had wanted to become a pharmacist, that would have required additional schooling, but I could have done that. Um, if I'd wanted to go into like oil manufacturing, I could have done that. As it is, uh, my job these days is honestly more programming and systems engineering. So um, I, you know, to put it broadly, um, look at lab systems and find ways to improve them and then put together the hardware and the software and the interfaces to uh, make it happen. And it's all in like a chemical environment. Sorry, I'm probably boring you already, but that's no, just No, it's it. interesting. Oh, it's interesting. But so I guess the question is, what made you go from being a chemical engineer to writing a novel for young adults? <laughs> well, it's funny because I started the two like right around the same time. Um, I wrote my first full length book uh, just before my eighth grade graduation. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely terrible, um, but it was like a full length book. I think it was like 380 pages or something. Um, and I basically kept doing that. It was these really, really terrible, like Percy Jackson knockoffs, basically. And, um, <laughs> I wrote 17 of those throughout high school. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And I mean, again, all just complete garbage and, and not, <laughs> not even a little bit good. Um, but they were all full length and I had like an entire, um, a file system full of like notes and background and world building and all that. I just loved doing that. And then when I was graduating high school, I was getting very emotional about graduating high school. And so I wrote my first contemporary novel um, and then spent most of college querying that. And I kept getting some progress on that, uh, like positive interest from agents, but I never actually got an agent with it. Um, so then my junior year, of chemical engineering as anyone who's a chemi knows um junior year is like the hell year and so i actually didn't write for all of that i took a break and i shelved that contemporary book and so my senior year i 
basically just decided to switch gears. And so I wrote this brand new contemporary book, which was Deposing Nathan, um, decided to query that and got interest from agents again. And then this time I got an agent and that got published. And now my second book that I'm working on is actually a rewrite of that first one that I wrote my senior year. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and you're, so you were 21 or 22 when your first book was picked up by an agent? Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's, I wrote it or I started working on it when I was basically 19 is when I came up with like the concept and started plotting it. And then, um, yeah, when I actually like signed with an agent, I had just graduated college. So I was 22. Wow. That's an amazing accomplishment uh, to graduate college and have a book deal. It was a wild summer for sure. And it, it was stressful too, because I was still lining up my day job for a chemical engineer. Um, so I spent that summer like basically unemployed, but also having just graduated college. And then amidst all of that, I got the public or not the publishing deal, but um, the deal with my agent. And then also had to like shop for my first apartment and stuff. It was, <laughs> it was really busy. A lot going on. Yeah, for um, sure. Now in, in your book, Deposing Nathan, uh, you kind of throw the reader into immediate conflict like you're you're wondering what the heck is going on um between the, the two main characters mm-hmm. um and then the the book is spent kind of like in a rewind where we're learning what's going on in the background of these two characters and uh what caused this conflict um what what made you want to write a particular story about these two guys hmm. well so i i knew that I wanted to write a story about certain ideas. Um, I wanted to explore that debate of like religion versus sexuality, which is obviously like a really common um, debate, but I wanted to do it in a way that was like two people who represent different viewpoints of it. And then I basically wanted to write a 400 page argument um, in the style of like Aaron Sorkin, who did stuff like the newsroom and the social network and um, where particularly in the newsroom, if you've ever seen it, um, it's just these characters spouting off <laughs> very like overwrought, but well-written like arguments about um, any number of topics, like mostly politics um, and stuff like that. So I wanted to do that, but for YA, And so I wrote this book around this conflict between these two characters who represent vastly different reactions to their situation. Um, And that way it could explore, you know, the main character has viewpoints that I don't necessarily really agree with, where he's very, very fiercely Christian. And for most of the book maintains that you can't be religious and LGBT at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then his best friend character, Cam, um, his argument is basically, you totally can be both at the same time. And there are arguments, uh, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, their arguments don't necessarily always sound like how two high schoolers would talk. Um, but I tried to inject them with a lot of really detailed analysis and argumentative points and stuff to like get people thinking about this topic because I wasn't really seeing a lot of that in YA and I wanted to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, there isn't a lot of religion talk in YA usually. And there's also another gap that you kind of filled. And that is, um, you know, typically when, uh, you know, I read a lot of YA literature and I've seen a lot of books with gay and lesbian characters and even, you know, a few with trans and non-binary characters. And um, even though bisexuals make up a large part of our LGBTQ plus community, they aren't really as written about. And yet, um, you know, you've included the you've included bisexual characters in your book. Um, so I feel like you've you've definitely covered um, an area that is also not as talked about. So what made you include um, bisexual characters in your story? Uh, quite simply, because if I had been exposed to media that included bisexual characters when I was growing up, uh, I would have known that I was bisexual about five years earlier. Because <laughs> um, I, I forget if I've um, mentioned this in other interviews before, but um, literally, I, like when I was growing up, I didn't hear the word bisexual. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and so I was very comfortable in my attraction to um, people regardless of gender, but I figured since I was mostly attracted to women that closed the case like I was straight um and then in college when I first came across the term I was like oh that's what I am I think and then about 10 days later I just came out to everyone and that was it it was remarkably like undramatic and unexciting um I think a lot of people assume that the journey my main character goes through is similar to my own and it's actually the complete opposite um they couldn't be more different but that got me thinking like surely there is a way we could get more by representation in media and maybe even in like mainstream media and so I wanted to find a way to take a more quote-unquote mainstream like premise or book idea and then find a way to write it where I can inject a lot of that representation and the debate about that representation. And again, just a lot of like arguments back and forth over stuff like that. Um, so in short, I wrote the book that would have helped me a lot when I was growing up. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Um, and hopefully lots of people will be able to read it and figure themselves out. You came last year to, to my school, to Hammond, during our National Novel Writing Month Um and you did a, a talk to inspire our young writers. And during that time, you mentioned that, um, that you have ADHD. Now, typically, when I think people think of kids and adults with ADHD, they think oh, low attention span, difficulty concentrating. And yet, you sat down, you wrote an entire book from start to finish, you, you know, like you're super productive. What, what are some ways that you've learned to to kind of handle your ADHD and make it work for you? Honestly, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> um, I, I, this is probably not the answer you were looking for, but um, for Deposing Nathan, my first book, I um, sort of like fumbled with it where I would write a little bit here and there throughout um, the summer of 2016. And then on September 5th, of 2016 it was labor day um i got prescribed vivance for the first time <laughs> and i sat down at i think it was about 8 a.m and then i blinked 
and it was 10 p.m. at night, and I had written, I think, around 80 pages. It was uh, the first 80 pages of part two, and I maintain that those were better than anything I'd written before then. Um, I was shocked, and since then, it's been a couple years of, like, trying to balance, like, psychotherapy techniques with medication, um, but I mean, to be honest, I still go to therapy every two weeks and the main focus, uh, right now is like, how do I stay writing for more than five minutes? Um, because th- I mean, that's more of a general thing of my ADHD and also just my personality. If I don't want to do something, I mm-hmm. can't really get myself to do it. Um, or rather I can't get myself to stay doing it for more than a few minutes, so um, it's one of those things. One strategy that we're working on right now, and that I'm trying, is write for 15 minutes. Um, it doesn't have to be any longer than that, but make sure you write for at least 15 minutes. And what I've found is that once I actually start doing the thing, whether it's writing or an assignment or something like that, as soon as I actually engage and start doing it, I have no problem like picking up momentum and running with it um it's just getting that initial start um so usually if i do it for 15 minutes then naturally i keep doing it mm-hmm. now is there is there any advice that you could give to like teachers and parents who might have like some adhd kids in their classroom or at home that you know that we could do to better accommodate students hmm um, I'm not sure. It's interesting. I, <laughs> there's a lot of things I didn't know about myself growing up. Um, I didn't know I had ADHD until college. Um, to be honest, I was very much one of those students that learned on their own time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for a lot of my classes, I wouldn't take any notes during class, but then I would go home and read the book and take notes on my own. Um, and when I finally started getting treatment for my ADHD senior year and I started going to lecture I had that like really dumb moment where I was like oh this lecture thing is like really helpful (laughs) um and it was the first time I actually like engaged with class um so in terms of like what my teachers could have done for me I don't know I mean I think that was really more just on my end (laughs) um maybe just awareness of like you know, making students aware if you struggle with these, you know, such and such in terms of like paying attention, it might not just be because you're lazy. It might be because you have ADHD or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it's still, I mean, I, I don't pretend to have it conquered, even though I'm what, 10, I guess, eight years out of high school now. Um, Yeah, it's, it's an interesting challenge. And I think a lot of people when they talk about ADHD, they don't lump that in the same category as like anxiety or depression. They don't think of it as like equally debilitating on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not, but sometimes it absolutely is. If it's like, I look at my weekly schedule and I have five days of book work that I should have done, none of which I've done yet. And it's like, what am I going to do? And then I can't sleep that night. Right. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting interesting challenge well it seems like you're coping pretty well (laughs) (laughs) i guess yeah i mean there's there's also that thing of like you know i think a lot of authors 
there's a difference between their like public image versus how they handle themselves in private. Not that I'm saying that's the case with me, but like, you know, in public, I'm sort of in on mode where I've, you know, planned out, okay, this is the group of people I'm going to be talking to, or this is the signing that I'm going to do. And here's what I'm going to ask people about and talk to them about and, you know, stuff like that versus like when you get home and you sit down to write and you're just there with yourself and it's like, okay, like, what's the plan here? How are we going to do this? And it's just way less, you know, organized. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, is there any advice that you would give to, I mean, obviously you've been writing for a long time. So high school, you wrote all those books and college and now you're published. Um, what advice would you give to young writers? Um, hmm. <laughs> I, I, this is also probably not the answer you're looking for, but uh, this is my honest answer. Um, I, in high school, really, really, really wanted to be published young. Um, my dream was to be published before I graduated high school for the simple reason of impressing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be that guy that not only has written like 17 books in high school, but has actually gotten published and and has made my dream come true um, because I'm that self-absorbed uh, or I was that self-absorbed guy that, you know, enjoyed it when uh, parents and teachers would be like, you know, you wrote books like, oh, that's so special. Like, you're so unique. You know, I, I like that stuff. And so I wanted to translate that. And I sent countless query letters to countless agents and I barreled, you know, headfirst at this. And my answer to your question is the advice I would give younger me and aspiring writers is you probably, if you want to be published now, it's probably best that that happened later (laughs) because, (laughs) because and I, I swear, I don't mean this in like a condescending way, but you probably your writing is going to be very different in college than it is right now Mm -hmm. Uh, and I took one look at those books uh that I wrote when I was like 14 and I couldn't even read them I had to close them out it was like looking at old pictures of myself (laughs) (laughs) um and so but but I guess the more positive spin on that advice is I'd like to think like at least right now sitting here and now I like how I did it. I like that it happened later for me. Mm-hmm. I still worry that, you know, I'm still comparatively young. And when I'm 35, I won't be able to even read this book that got published when I'm 22. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that practice and that patience, um, at least for right now, it feels like it paid off. Um So that would be my advice is don't become too wrapped up in the idea of, oh, I need to succeed like right now, or I need to make it right now. Um, Whatever success I found, if you could call it that, came from just learning to enjoy writing to write. Um, And then it was sort of that whole thing of, you know, watched pot never boils or whatever the expression is. as you know, by the time I had exhausted my resources of querying agents and trying to 
write something that would be popular. Um, Deposing Nathan was a product of me just writing what I wanted. And then that's the thing that, you know, sort of took off. Um, mm -hmm. It's weird. I'm only, what, one or two years into being published, but I'm still astounded at how everything that happens with authors, like, don't get me wrong, it's really cool, but most of it is way less dramatic and, like, exhilarating than it's portrayed in, like, movies and stuff. Because, uh -huh. <laughs> like, you know, in movies and stuff, they, they'll show, you know, when the author gets the call that they're going to be published, it's, like, at some big gathering, and there's, like, dramatic music, and everyone's hugging them and stuff. Whereas, for me, when I found out I had an agent, um, here's how it went. I had stayed up really late the night before doing my annual uh, Batman night marathon, which is a thing that I do with my friend group where we watch That's the entire awesome. Dark Knight. Yeah, we do the entire, we watch the entire Dark Knight trilogy and eat a lot of pizza. I do it every year the first week of August because I'm that weird. And, awesome. um, <laughs> and so I woke up late and I saw I had an email on my phone and I like squinted at it. And I was getting so many emails from agents, most of them rejections, but I was I was getting so much email from agents that it didn't like, you know, it wasn't, oh, what are they saying? It was just like, all right, who's this? And then when I saw offer representation, I kind of squinted at it like half asleep. I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, curse words. <laughs> like, you know, and that's how it happens and i was expecting this big formal declaration with like a header and stuff and it was just like a casual like sent from my iphone like hey zach i really liked your book do you want to call and chat about it um sorry i totally went off track there but no it's great yeah no it's it's stuff isn't like the dramatic you know cookie cutter stuff that you see in media mm -hmm. um now, there was a couple things there uh, that I kind of wanted to, to, to talk about a little bit more. Now, you you did a lot of practicing of writing, and obviously you had some interest in chemistry. Did you take any writing classes in high school or college that you think might have helped you with your writing? Or did you just kind of like do this all on your own and, you know, try and fail and keep writing and keep practicing on your own? Most definitely the second one. Um, I, I absolutely do not mean to knock on, you know, English classes and certainly not English teachers. Um, my two high school English teachers, um, are some of the most influential people that I've had in my life and mm -hmm. they made me read, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird and Life of Pi and Great Gatsby. And I rolled my eyes for every second of it. And now uh, when I'm like trying to study, you know, what makes a good book, I go to my bookshelf where I have all those high school copies of my books and I read over them. <laughs> um, so in that sense, I, I wouldn't have had the appreciation for literature that I have without, you know, my English classes. That said, when we're talking about like how to write, I 100% did not learn anything from any like courses or anything mm -hmm. um and to be honest i'm a little skeptical at any class uh, i'm thinking of more college classes where it's like this will teach you how to write um because again i'm astounded at how little like formality there really is um when i was trying to be published i would s just stare at the words i had in my page and be like okay 
what is the rhythm of this sentence? You know, does the the structure of this work? Does the delivery work? Um, do we know what the character wants yet? And those are all good things. But honestly, with my second book, now that I'm like more comfortable, I'm realizing authors just kind of like do what they're gonna do. They just they they don't cling to any like toolkits or guidelines. They just tell the story, and if it works, it works. And in my book, there's some chapters, I mean, one of them is one word long. Others are run-on sentences. Others are short, choppy bits, you know, for like four or five lines. Um, if it works, it works. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I honestly, I mean, I, I got low scores on my AP English exams um, when I took them. <laughs> I, I, I was not like a proficient writer. Um in terms of the construction of language but then it was as you said it was a lot of trying and failing and young adult is especially interesting because like the primary requirement i think is that it you know kind of sounds like a teenager talking mm -hmm. so um you have this spectrum where on one hand you could just write in your own voice especially when i was literally a teenager I figured if I just write how I would talk, then it's an authentic book. But then on the other end of the spectrum is like, how literary is it? How, you know, technically good is it? And it's sort of about finding that balance for me. But um, yeah, it's all, it's all trial and error for me. Um, I started a very bad writer, and I'd like to think I've gotten to the point where I'm decent. I'm certainly not, you know dickens or anything um i'm still learning and evolving but i think anyone can get there if they practice enough that's awesome i think that's great advice um you know just kind of like the old adage practice makes perfect yeah um and now you you mentioned that you did a batman you do a batman marathon every year <laughs> yes so um what kinds of what kinds of movies are you into what kind of books and movies do you like to read oh well it's interesting in terms of books i don't read very much <laughs> um i know that's like really weird because i'm an author um i really don't read very much i read maybe five books a year mm. um yeah most of that is time constraints um i just don't have a lot of time these days um however i am a movie fanatic I watch probably about five movies a week. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's and basically I am an aspiring screenwriter at heart. Oh, um, nice. And that's why my book is so dialogue heavy. Um, and so I'm obsessed with things like, um, not to get too off track, but like in the movie Parasite, there's this montage um and it's all the beats of it are spaced exactly five seconds apart in between shots mm -hmm. and they use some really cool like tracking shots that i will literally um my boyfriend can tell you usually the first thing i do in the morning is i pull up a clip from a really good movie and i'm either taking notes on the rhythm of the dialogue or like the camera work or stuff like that um so like my favorite movie of all time is this little movie called whiplash um i don't know if you've heard of it it's no, a very it's a very intense movie it's basically this um young college kid who's obsessed with being the best drummer in the world is paired with what i can best describe as the gordon ramsay of band teachers <laughs> yeah. 
but it is so it's funny but it's also dark um dark and like horrible um basically the band teacher um is is insane and pushes this kid to his like breaking point and it explores the concept of like self-destruction and pursuit pursuit of art and there's so much great film work and all of that mm-hmm. um so yeah stuff like that um this is a very basic answer but my favorite tv show is breaking bad because of its everything <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah um yeah i'm much more of a movie nerd than than a book nerd <laughs> awesome yeah i i i saw a parasite and love that it's so good. oh yes yeah it's i i wasn't sure what to think of it because this was before the oscar buzz and stuff um yeah. but yeah i that blew my mind that's probably in my top five favorite movies as well um i just saw a movie recently called uh, it's from it's through netflix called the uh the half of it have you seen that one? Oh no but i want to it's interesting i heard that some people didn't like that one because they were expecting like this cookie cutter ending and then it didn't oh, do that yeah. that makes me want to watch it so it much so more good. it was so good it was just <laughs> I, really, really well done yeah like not i don't mean to engage in rant mode but i'm very very sick of ya's that just wrap everything up in a neat little bow because mm-hmm. that gave me some wildly untrue expectations when i was a teenager yeah um so i the fact that people are mad at it because it like subverted those expectations um that put it right at the top of my watch list so i'll probably watch it this week oh yeah check it out the the acting is just top notch and i mean the the cinematography on it is fantastic as well Oh, that's um, awesome! I, I just, we we need we I need so it. much we need so much more of that in YA adaptations because yeah. so many like again I I apologize I don't mean to get in no, random no. here but like so many studios I won't even name a film because there's too many but so many YA adaptations the studio just like they say okay well if we put a love triangle and the name of the book attached to this movie we can do whatever we want in terms of like the most basic of camera work and the most awful of dialogue and you know they they there's no respect for the audience um and like can you imagine if we got all these ya uh adaptations that had like stellar or even award-worthy like cinematography or writing or acting um side note did you hear that um about uh rick reardon no oh uh uh basically he put out the announcement that they are re-adapting the percy jackson books on disney plus uh-huh and he is not he is going to have total selection of the actors and he's oh. going to write it himself oh wow that's oh fantastic. my gosh he he earned it i don't know if you've seen this but he put out um a couple years ago he released the emails between him and the studio when they were making the first percy jackson movie Uh and it crushed me because he basically addresses them very politely and says okay i read the script um i see where you're going however respectfully i'd like to point out these issues and he proceeds to just point out so many things like you know please let's not use pg-13 language that's Mm -hmm. not fair to the books um please get the body humor out of there that's not in the books (laughs) please put the villain back in 
they're part of the book. You know, just all these things where you can tell he's trying to be respectful, and you can tell that despite the awful, awful product that we got, it was once much worse. <laughs> and I could just feel his author pain when I was reading the emails of like, oh, what that is my worst nightmare of just watching them destroy your your baby and you like can only do so much yes i can't imagine yeah yeah so i'm really happy for him and i'm really excited to see it awesome yeah i'll put that on the list do we know when it's going to come out or uh not yet but i i just know that he announced it and they're starting the casting and it's going to be age-appropriate actors and he's going to do the writing for it so well that'll be great um so before we wrap things up um can you share anything about your next book like working title general plot does it contain uh, lgbtq plus characters i i i i don't know what i can share is the thing um it's unfortunately due to everything going on um the process of like dotting the eyes and stuff is way way slower than uh-huh. normal so um <laughs> i should really just check with them because i might be able to share but since i don't know um, that limits me. I can tell you that it's going to be a young adult contemporary um, centered around a high school senior boy. Uh, he's going to be openly bisexual. That is not going to be a focus of the book. Um, it's just going to be a character trait. Um, early on, I wanted it to at least touch on that kind of thing. But then when I was trying to write you know, about that, whether it was in arguments or in internal narration, I was like, I'm just recycling what I put in my first book, right. you know, there's all the same points. And so this one is certainly going to comment on issues and one issue in particular. I don't know if I can say what it is yet. That's okay. That's okay. You can leave us, you can leave us in suspense. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, as soon as I get the green light, I will be happy to share about it. And, um, as difficult as it's been to get back in the saddle for book two, it's turning into something that I'm really proud of. So I am really excited to share that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us on the Pridecast. And um, we'll look forward to reading your next book. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. The music feature at the start and end of our podcast is Work by Kevin McClure.